Welcome to the Blue Stocking Baptist podcast. My name is Hannah Oliver, and I'm here with my co-host, Esther Faulkner. Esther and I are both particular Baptists who hold to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. The Blue Stocking Baptist podcast is an informal podcast for women with intelligent and literary interests related to Christian doctrine and life. Esther and I both have a passion to see unbelievers come to the faith, and so we hope our material will be used for the furtherance of God's kingdom. We also have a passion for equipping women with the tools they need to exercise discernment. We desire to see more women understand and love the deep theology that is found in God's word. We believe everyone is a theologian and you are either a good one or a bad one. Our hope with our podcast is to stir in women a love for good theology and to encourage women in their faith as they walk in obedience and grow in holiness. We want to remind everyone that our podcast is only a tool. It is not church and it does not replace discipleship. We encourage all of our listeners to find a local church and become a member. We have resources on our website for those who are seeking a church, and we are always happy to help anyone who is struggling to find a healthy church. You can email us at thebluestockingbaptists at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at the Blue Stocking Baptists or Twitter at SheBaptists. So Hannah and I also have an announcement, and that announcement is that we have joined the Christian podcast community as an affiliate. That means that we will continue to host our own podcast, but in addition, we will be on the Striving for Eternity website. That means that um, hopefully we'll have an increase in our audience so that more women will have access to our episodes on Christian life and practice. Today's episode, we are discussing what we all love, but by God's grace, we come to hate sin. We're going to define what sin is, where it came from, and what the solution to our problem of sin is. So what is sin is the question that we're going to be asking. The theological term for the study of sin is armatology. This comes from the Greek word hamartia, which means missing the mark or error, and logia, which means study. So to kind of start off the conversation, we thought it'd be a good idea to look at the Baptist catechism because that specifically asked the question of what is sin, and it had a pretty good answer, um, good definition of what sin is with some biblical citations. The way that the Baptist Catechism asked the question is, what is sin? That's question 18. And the answer it gives is, sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And it cites 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, which says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness also cites Romans 5.13, which says, For sin, indeed, was in the world before the law was given, but sin is, to be ca- is not to be counted where there is no law. I think that's a really good description. Yeah. Me too. Any, <laughs> sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. I like that a lot. It yeah, shows- any, it's any want or actual action of transgression, transgression, (laughs) transgression of the law of God. I like that a lot. So examples of sin would be uh, anything that causes us not to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and minds, or to not love our neighbors as ourselves. We know this because scripture tells us these things throughout the entire Bible. Um, Other things that are more specific could be idolatry, 
pride, envy, malice, conceit, profanity, not keeping the Lord's day holy, not honoring mother and father, murder by thought or deed, adultery, fornication, any act that perverts God's design for marriage, whether by thought or deed, stealing, bearing false witness or testimony, not telling the truth, coveting. Um, the Bible tells us a great deal about sin, and we we know that sin exists just by experience. Evil is everywhere. We have all been both the victim of receiving sin as well as sinning against others and most importantly, sinning against God. Um, everyone has to wrestle with the where and what of sin, both the unbeliever and the believer. And we believe that the only answer to the origin of sin and the why of sin is in the Bible. So we're going to talk about the origin of sin in the human race. Esther, will you tell us what that is? Yes. So the first time that we see sin appear in the Bible is in Genesis, where um, we see that Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, were created. They were created perfect and upright by God, and they were without blemish or stain. Um, and we see God give them um, a command, and they break the command. And breaking that command that they are given is the first example of sin. So I'm just going to read a little bit from um, Genesis chapter 2 in verse 16. I'm going to read verse 16 and 17. This is, this is where God gives them um, the command. And it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then we see in chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, it says, The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So, you see that God gave a very clear command to the man of that, that they should not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, yet not even a complete chapter later, the, the man and the woman both eat from this tree, the, the forbidden fruit of this tree, um, which is the first example of sin. So um, we thought that the, the London Baptist Confession, the 1689 Confession, had a really good summary of what uh, was taking place in this passage that we see in Genesis. Um, and I'm going to read that. This is from chapter six, paragraph one. Although God created man upright and perfect and gave him a righteous law, which had been unto life, had he kept it and threatened life upon the breach thereof, yet he did not long abide in this honor. Satan, using the subtlety of the serpent to subdue Eve, then by her seducing Adam, who, without any compulsion, did will, willfully transgress the law of their creation, and the command given unto them, and eating the forbidden fruit, which God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit, having purpose to order it to his own glory. 
There's also in chapter six, paragraph two in the London Baptist Confession, the same confession that we're reading from in the confession, which Esther and I both subscribe to. It says in chapter six, paragraph two, our first parents by this sin fell from their original righteousness and communion with God. And we in them, whereby death came upon all, all becoming dead in sin and wholly defiled in all the faculties and parts of soul and body. So some verses that were given as reference in chapter six, paragraph two, include Romans 3.23, which says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12, which says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And then Titus chapter 1, verse 15 says, To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both our minds and our consciences are defiled. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart, of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah 17.9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Romans 3.10-19 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. So from those first uh, verses that we read in Genesis through the London Baptist Confession, how that summarizes it, and then these verses that are given us like uh, as a citation for them, we see that the origin of sin, the first time that we see sin, was in Adam and Eve's transgression and their sin. And in their sin, um, they passed it along to us as well. Um, and we also, whenever we, when we talk about the origin of sin, a big question that's often posed um, even by believers and non-believers alike is whether or not God is the author of sin. If he is completely um, sovereign, does that make him the author of sin? Um, so Hannah, do you want to dive into that question? Okay, yeah, so we see that in Adam all die and that Adam is ultimately held responsible for the first transgression of the human race. But in John 8, 44, it tells us about Satan, that he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we don't know exactly when Satan was created or when the fall of the angels occurred, but we do know it happened before Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, since the serpent was in the garden with them and Satan ultimately deceived Eve. So we see in this text that Satan is the father of lies, that he was a murderer from the beginning, 
we see that evil originates with Satan himself. And we're told that in that same passage, uh, I didn't read it, but at the very beginning, that those who sin are carrying out the desires of Satan. So we can say with confidence that God is not the author of sin. Satan is where sin originated. Um, Louis, is it Louis or Louis? I think it's Louis. Louis Burkhoff expressed in his systematic theology that God's eternal decree certainly rendered the entrance of sin into the world certain, but this may not be interpreted as to make God the cause of sin in the sense as of being its responsible author. This idea is clearly excluded by scripture. Job 34.10 says, Far be it from God that he should do wickedness and from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. And we do see this all throughout scripture, that God is holy, that he is perfect, that he is upright, that there's no evil in him. Uh, we see in James 1.17 that uh, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. We know that God has constantly and always been holy and good. We see this repeated throughout all of scripture. Only God is good. Only God is righteous. Only God is holy. Um, and the sin that occurred at the fall, Adam was wholly responsible for his own transgression against the law of God. And we as individuals are held responsible for our own sin and we will be held account. We will be held accountable for it on the day of judgment. So Matthew fifteen nineteen says that from our heart comes evil thoughts and it is evil from within us. It is the evil within us that defiles us. James 1, 13 through 15 tells us, let no one say that when he is tempted, I am, tem I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lusts. Then when lust has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings death. We know that evil desires come from within and that God does not tempt us with evil. We are tempted by our own lusts, which produce sin in us. God is not responsible for our lawless behavior. We are responsible. And so I know this is probably bringing the question of original sin. And original sin is the doctrine that sin and its guilt is something that affects us all as a result of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden. So Adam's sin has resulted not only in our having a sin nature, but in our incurring guilt before God. We are conceived in sin, according to Psalms 51, which results in inheriting a sin nature. Not only was Adam guilty because he sinned, his guilt and punishment, which was death, belongs to us as well, like Romans chapter 5 tells us. Sin entered the world through one man, and death spread to all men. Louis Burkhoff again says, Original sin is both a state and an inherent quality of pollution in man. Every man is guilty in Adam and is consequently born with a depraved and corrupt nature. And this inner corruption is the unholy fountain of all actual sin. So since we're born with a corrupted nature, we have a propensity and a desire to sin and all people will sin. We will all sin. And so we are all guilty and we are all lawbreakers. Mm -hmm. um, and it's that it's the original sin in us that leads us to producing like Burkhoff described the unholy fountain. It flows from us. Right. 
So now we're going to talk about the consequences of our sin, our, the consequences of original sin, the consequences of our actual sins that we commit. Um, so the consequences of our sin can be some, summed up in spiritual death, suffering of this life, physical death, and the second death, which is eternal death. We are unable to overcome our sin. We naturally believe that what God defines as sin is good and we approve of it. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit who is able to soften the hearts of rebel sinners that we can trust in Christ and his finished work, his life, death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation from sin. So like Esther is saying that only the gospel is able to, to fix our sin the state that we're in, our sin nature and our propensity to sin and our desire to sin and to give us a will that desires to love and obey God. So because of our sin nature, without God entering into our lives and regenerating our hearts, we are in a hopeless and sad state. And this is true for all people of all time. Those of us who do not accept the gospel of Jesus Christ can only anticipate coming judgment and condemnation for our own wickedness. Sin corrupts everything it touches, and sin has brought toil and hardship to all mankind. Immediately after the fall, God curses the ground and man, and some consequences of Adam's sin included death, difficult work, painful childbirth, sickness, pain, and a sin nature for all the posterity in Adam. However, the consequence of sin are not eternal if we trust in Jesus Christ. And so when people are looking around and see the corruption and the evil and the wickedness and the lawlessness, the answer to that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like Esther had said, the life, death, burial, and resurrection, and believing that Jesus Christ's perfect life, his perfect sacrifice, conquering sin and death by uh, being raised from the dead, and sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven, being our mediator constantly is our only hope in being freed from our sin, as right. well as the consequences of sin. So looking back at the, uh, once again, at the London Baptist Confession, um, in chapter 6, paragraph 3, it continues on um, in, in showing the, the consequences of sin and describing, describing the consequences of sin, of sin very, very thoroughly. It says, They, being rooted and by God's appointment, standing in the room and steed of all mankind, the guilt of sin was imputed and corrupt nature conveyed to all their posterity descending from them by ordinary generation. Being now conceived in sin and by nature children of wrath, the servants of sin, the subjects of death, and all other miseries, spiritual, temporal, and eternal, unless the Lord Jesus set them free. And the they in that is referencing uh, to Adam, Adam right? Yeah, Adam. Yes. yes. Okay, so Romans 5, 12 through 19 is a proof text given for this paragraph. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned, in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. 
But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from the one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation up to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. And this passage is basically showing us very clearly that what Adam could not do, Jesus Christ does, and Jesus is called the better Adam in Scripture. He is, he is the one who, who obeyed the law of God and kept it perfectly that led to life or that leads to life. Right. Another proof text that we have here is Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 3 says, Among whom we all lived in passions of our flesh. This is, sorry, let me just preface this verse before I read it. In, in context, it's talking about those who are believers. So these are people who were once um, held captive by their sin. And Paul here is saying, is, is talking about their past. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So you kind of get a glimpse of, of who we are apart from Christ before the Holy Spirit comes and changes us into a new creation. We're children of wrath, um, which affects our body and our mind and our whole nature. Um, also, then have, also it's saying, it's also saying like the rest of mankind. So all mankind is affected. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Then we have Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 through 15 says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subjected to lifelong slavery. So that's talking about the consequences of sin being the fear of death, the fear of eternal death. Um, and then our last one we have, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, 10, Verse 10 says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. So like the um, confession said there at the end, and then as Hannah summarized, um, the consequences of sin are not eternal if we trust in Jesus, because he is the only one who can deliver us from the wrath to come if we trust and believe in his finished work, his life, death, and burial, and resurrection. 
So now we're going to kind of talk about some major errors concerning the doctrine of sin, uh, different things that people believe about sin. So the first thing would be someone believing that something else other than Christ's atonement has the ability to save us from our sin. So this could look like people thinking that their works could save them from their sin. Uh, That would look like people thinking that they're not really as bad as they are. You hear people say things like, well, I'm not like Hitler, or I'm not like the other guy, or I really am a good person. And and so they (laughs) think that because of the good deeds that they do, they will be justified by what they do on this earth that's good, hoping that it will outweigh the bad. And we know that that's not true. Sin is desperately wicked. It corrupts our whole body. And once you've broken the law, there's no way to be justified by the law. And so the only thing that can save you from the law is someone who kept the law and then was a sacrifice for you, taking the wrath that you deserved, uh, which is what Jesus Christ did for us. So that view concerning sin really falls short because it makes, it gives the impression that you don't need the gospel. You just need to be a good person. And we know that good people don't go to heaven because there are no good people. All people go to hell without a sufficient sacrifice to cover their sin. Um, Esther, do you have any other examples for someone believing something else other than Christ's atonement? Well, to get really specific, like those who make this error, definitely your Roman Catholics would fit in this category of of having this major error when it comes to sin, viewing their sin not as severe as the scriptures deem it to be. Um, Well, you also see with the Roman Catholic Church, because when infants are baptized, it cleanses them, it cleanses them from original sin. So it does, in a way, give them a clean slate. So from, from that theological framework, You could argue, well, I am a good person because I've never broken the law of God. We we know that everyone does break the law of God, but I can see how from a Roman Catholic perspective, they think, well, because I was baptized and because I was washed of original sin, now it's just my sin. And I've done, I've, I've paid, is it penance? I've been, yes, (laughs) I've paid penance for the sin I have committed. And so they think, in a way, that they've done enough. Right. They've atoned for their own sin, basically. Yeah. We also see in the context of American culture specifically that Christian culture in America, we don't really like to say the word sin or talk about how wicked sin really is, how it's truly an offense to God and his holiness. We say things like we say very gentle words to describe sin like brokenness messy troubles or mistakes and we kind of make it seem like oh well it really isn't that bad i really didn't mean to do that it was just a little mistake Mm -hmm. god knows my heart he'll forgive me it'll be okay it was just a little accident rather than seeing wow i've offended god and having a true repentance that is sorrowful and regretting what ha- what you have done. I mean, this kind of reminds me even of my daughter. She's only three <laughs> years old. She's going on four. My daughter absolutely hates talking about sin. 
She loves to talk about Jesus. She loves to talk about how Jesus died on the cross, loves to talk about how great and wonderful Jesus is, loves to talk about how Jesus loves her. But just even yesterday, we were having a conversation, my husband and I, about sin. And I said something like, there's a bunch of sinners up in this house. And my daughter goes, mm, maybe daddy. And I go, yep, who else? And she goes, maybe Frankie, who's her sister. And I said, yep, who else? And she goes, mm, maybe not Noah. <laughs> and, and when she does get caught in sin, she always will say, mama, it was, it was just a little mistake. It was just a little mistake. It's okay. And I'm like, no, Noah, that was sin. And she'll go, no, it's just a little mistake. Please, I don't, I don't want to be in trouble. It was just a mistake. And that's a child. And no, I didn't teach my daughter to respond like this. And yeah. we have adults in our church or in American Christianity as a whole who act like children yeah. in justifying their behavior as a mistake. And the we, added we can't do that. Yeah, it's the attitude of it happens to everybody. Though sin does affect everybody and we all do it, it's not it's not just a little boo-boo, you know? Yeah. You've actually offended the holy God who died right. for your sins. Right. So why do you continue to go on sinning? <laughs> right. Yeah. And the last error that we're going to talk about is the error of not connecting Adam's sin with the fall of humanity. So basically separating um, the, the fall from, from how mankind participates in sin as well. That would be basically denying the doctrine of original sin, denying that we are inherently sinful from, from conception. And so the denial of original sin is called Pelagianism and Pelagianism teaches that man can choose good and God, if he so desires that he has the ability within himself to choose what is right and turn from sin. Pelagianism denies original sin because it denies that we have inherited a sin nature from Adam. Semi-Pelagianism teaches that man has a sin nature, but that man has not is not totally depraved. So it teaches that man has the ability to cooperate and respond to God's gospel, but will recognize that man still has a sin nature. Esther and I, since we're both Reformed Baptists, which means that we hold to a Calvinistic soteriology, we both believe in total depravity, which means that we believe man cannot choose God or do good do good without the assistance of God intervening and giving us new wills. We see even in Isaiah that even our good works are filthy rags. Man is not upright and good in our, in our nature. We are by nature sinners and we desire to do sin because we love sin and we do not love righteousness. So we have to ask the question, what is our response to sin? So we see this issue of original sin, and we see that sin affects our whole being. Um, and we've kind of already mentioned what, what our solution is, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and and ho we're hoping that this, this episode will cause us all to realize the weight of our sin and just how much it affects our lives and to embrace the biblical gospel, um, the person and finished work of Christ 
and to repent, um, which will actually be the topic of our next episode. Um, but just thinking about how sin is the, is, is the origin of what creates conflict that drives the whole entire biblical narrative from Genesis to Revelation. It is, it is, it is the issue. It is the human issue um, that we disobey God. And just thinking back about all that we've said about sin and kind of just hitting on the solution of it being the gospel. We have to remember that sin was defeated through the person and finished work of Christ. Christ, the suffering servant gave his life as a ransom for many on the cross. Jesus experienced the wrath of God that God's people rightly deserve for their sins with his justice satisfied. God freely forgives and justifies all who are identified with Christ by faith. That's the good news of the gospel. Although believers still continue to struggle with sin in our lives, sin is no longer our slave master if we are in Christ. When we sin, we repent by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our posture towards sin is no longer love but hatred as the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to fight sin as we wait eagerly for Christ's return. So like I said, on our next episode, we're hoping we're going to be tackling the topic of repentance. What is repentance um, and giving some practical, practical steps on what repentance looks like um, for the believer. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you see that you see the weight of your own sin and that you do embrace the gospel and um, that you come to the Lord with repentance and thanksgiving for salvation from sin yeah absolutely we hope that you see your need for a savior join us next time ladies thank you so much god bless Mm -hmm.